broadcasting live from the Santa Lucia Highlands through the heart of the Casterville Artichoke Fields, westward to the Elkhorn Slough, and south to the rugged Big Sur coastline. You're listening to What's the Plan? A weekly discussion with local thought leaders about the future of Monterey County. And now, here's your host, Mr. Paul Wyant. Hey, hey, everyone. Good afternoon, and welcome to another great edition of What's the Plan? Monterey County. I'm with my... uh, my faithful colleagues, Mr. Dan Miller and Mark Carbonero. Thanks, guys, for helping me out once again. <clears throat> I just want to remind you that I'm Paul Wyant, owner of Express Employment Professionals in Monterey County at Express. We can help your business find great staff. We've been doing a lot of work coming up on Car Week. Uh, if you need any extra help during Car Week, during the busy season, let us know. Or if you need seasonal help at any time, just yeah, give us a call, 831-920-1857. We we got some great people, uh, got a great staff working here in Salinas uh, to help you out. So 831-920-1857 or just Google Express Employment Monterey and uh, we'll be the first ones on there. And you can always find the one last thing. You can always find this show at what's the plan Monterey.com or iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, etc. Dan, Mark, how are you guys? Everything's good. Yeah, we're good. Everything. Yeah. Everything is awesome, like the Lego movie. Everything's well, beautiful. Good. Well, man, you're dating yourself, Mark. I, I did. I did want to say something. I uh, I, I went on vacation recently to visit my daughter in college, and she's in in, in Colorado. And uh, this is where I, politics really matter because she's in northern Colorado, and uh, they're not. You know, it's on the front range, sure, but they're not working with a lot up there. It's it's kind of there's a lot of cow pastures, a lot of uh, it's kind of hot in the summer and. You know, they, it's windswept and snowy in the winter, and it is. And what they've done out of nothing is is absolutely beautiful. They have houses for you know moderate prices, you know, in the four hundred thousands. And this is Colorado. I mean, this isn't. You know, there are cheaper houses in other parts of the country. They have beautiful. Their agricultural roads are because there's a lot of ag traffic. They're all cement. They they have four lane roads, unlike sixty eight, and I I just think you know California. Our tax base is so high. I just want to get, particularly Dan, you know, you're a lifelong resident here. You go to other parts of the country. I mean, is this a state political problem? Is it local or why with our enormous tax base and so much wind at our backs, like uh, with just geographic beauty, why are we struggling to do things? We can't build new buildings. We can't get the desal plant. You know, it's just so hard here. And whereas other communities, you go to, I've heard, you know, Wisconsin, uh, you know, Nashville, Tennessee, famously, like Oklahoma City, all these places are really, or Florida, they're really just crushing it. Um, you know, they're growing, they have a great economy, they have a vibrant business sector, you know, and they're and they're not destroying the environment, for those who would say that. What what are we doing wrong in California? I mean, I think, you know, well, what can we, and what can we do better, locally or, or statewide? Well, the, the sad thing is, uh, first of all, I think regulations hurt a whole heck of a lot. You know, like in Pacific Grove, we have a state mandate that we're not supposed to allow stormwater to go into the ocean. And we spend a ridiculous amount of money processing what water we can catch 
every year. But of course, you don't stop all the water from going in the ocean. It's just absolutely insane. And you end up with one fire like uh, when the Laporte Mansion burned that goodness knows how many thousands of uh, polluted gallons of water came off that fire and went to the ocean i'm sure a good percentage of it so it's it's just uh uh the regulations and then the people making decisions this whole thing this mandate that everybody's probably read about now that pacific grove adds 1200 new domiciles in the next eight to ten years and you know there's so, so many are supposed to be low income so many this so many that and this is why we then have traffic problems because most our roads can't be widened or if they are they're cost prohibitive so now we're just piling people on top of people houses on top of houses everybody can put an adu in their backyard or alongside their house with no you know new parking space or anything else there are neighborhoods in pacific grove that in the past year because of adus being able to go anywhere and everywhere that people can't can hardly even park in by their homes and um, whereas if you go to drive, you know, to Los Banos or something sometime, if you really have to, or Fresno or any place like that, there are miles and miles of open land. There's water running by it and under it and everywhere else. But everybody wants to live on the coast. Uh -huh. And I understand that. But this whole concept that we're being forced to sacrifice the quality of life, which we have in order to meet these state mandates that are coming down from usually from uh, backed mainly by people from San Francisco and L.A., like they're trying to get people out of their communities, which is working in L.A. These, I read something the other day. They think by 2030, 1.7 million people are, are going to move out of L.A., and, you know, which is just mind-boggling if you and think. Is that really what you want from a city? You want growth and revitalization. Like I would say, say like the uh, the fields near Moss Landing. I mean, why? Because those are getting their seawater infiltration going in there. Those are ripe for development or build vertically, like so many people talk about in Monterey. Sure. There's lots of things, and and you're right. We do we focus on composting our uh, leftover chicken and banning gas-powered stoves all right that's the uh the grumpy old man portion of the show uh, I'll, I'll, I'll make it briefly but let's start we can start with some local news there's some exciting stuff uh i know i want to we want to touch on some things with mark and you is but we could start off with pacific grove reached a settlement this has been uh, widely reported with the the city attorney and uh, maybe uh, dan or mark you guys know the background of this mm -hmm. um Quite a, quite a bit. So if we cover the background a little bit and then get into the settlement, that would be great. Go ahead, Dan. Well, well um, back when I, I was doing the Pacific Grove Press, we wrote about it extensively. The city of Pacific Grove, in, in a nutshell, uh, the city attorney puts uh, put something on the ballot. The council put it on the ballot, but he wrote it, and he wrote it wrong. So we lost about a million and a half dollars in sales tax over the length of time. We would have had the sales tax before we had it revoted on and could impose the sales tax and start collecting it. And foolishly, he advised the council and four of them voted to appeal the decision of the taxing authority uh, to the Supreme Court. And of course, we lost. And that was another you know, ridiculous amount of, of cost. And thank you very much to those. I think the only person left on the council that voted uh, to uh, to uh, 
uh, fight the thing and bad mistake was Joe Emilio, who's still there for another few years, uh, rumored to be planning on running for mayor. So everybody be aware of that. Uh, oh, geez. Hey, hey, wait, Dan, I, I want to ask real quick, has anybody, because this, it was reported to cost the city about a million dollars. Has anybody, and it's a 50 cent tax, has anybody had the temerity to compute how long the tax will have to pay for itself? Like, but the payback that bill that it costs? Well, that would it, be kind of it, funny to find out. Yeah, it's the, 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 what the problem ended up being that you can't, catch that you know you can't get that money back it's still you know basically it's going to generate about a million and a half uh every you know i think that was about 16 months or something we the city settled with the attorney and interesting en enough the settlement was made i believe about two months ago and it just came out because uh, kelly nix over at the pine cone pursued it because the city's agreement was that they didn't talk about it expose it let anybody know about it but if somebody asked for it they they could release it right it just real bizarre so because you have dave laredo who was our city attorney for years and not a, i wasn't a big fan and that's no secret and but he's also still there at the water board and he's still at mst i believe he has some other little governmental entities that all should start work looking at some of the stuff he's done because this wasn't the first time he had gotten us into trouble so it was just the most expensive and now we got back a million dollars so everybody that's out there saying oh why are we giving the city manager you know four hundred thousand dollars to leave there's a million bucks we're still going to be holding on to over half a million and if this council actually the last uh let's see how did this go yeah this council didn't pursue it after Laredo, which I, I pushed in the Pacific Grove Press for them to do, and they probably would have done it anyway, but they did it. But if this, this current council, which people are criticizing for what they said did about the city manager, had not pursued it, and some of them didn't want to pursue it, but if they had not pursued it, then that would have been a, mil a million dollars we wouldn't have gotten. And and so it, it looks like we lost about a million in tax revenue during that year. So this million dollars makes up perfectly the the amount of tax yes. revenue I suppose that we lost for that year. Okay, it, it, it probably came up a few. The theory is and projections are that it, we might have come up a couple hundred thousand dollars short. But if we had gone to court, gotten in a lawsuit, you know, and everything else, it would have been really really messy. Right. So it would have cost more so in the end we ended up doing fine and we have a net net between the uh, city attorney and city manager uh, going out the door of over five hundred thousand dollars is the way i'm looking at it. it well that that's not a bad way to look at it uh mark did you have something yeah i just want to ask dan one of the things that i notice and and i'm not a fan of this at all but um a lot of cities, uh, for example, Seaside and Salinas, Monterey, they have their own in-house city attorney. He or she would be a, a management level attorney. And um, But yet so many cities, even those with um, with city attorneys, end up hiring like these outside legal yeah. counsels. And I just wonder, you know, why, why is it that when you have a city attorney, they, they can't do all this other legal work? It's almost as if they become an errand boy for whomever the, you know, the high powered hotshot is that the city hires. And then they end up with a guy like, you know, and, and, and who's to say that the choice of these outside attorneys that you pay like $40,000 a month to, 
is that they are the best people for the job. Obviously, Laredo and his firm weren't the best people for the job because they screwed up something so basic like the language on a ballot argument. I mean, that's what it was. They screwed up the language on a ballot argument. The state caught them and said, oh, no, 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 we're not going to approve this and allow you to collect the tax because you worded the thing wrong. And then... I don't know if he convinced the city. Yes, he did. He convinced the city yep. to fight for his mistake. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because it was the only way he could get, it could possibly save face. Otherwise, it was all on him. And right. it all ended up being on him. Right. But the, the thing is, what you're saying, Mark, is, is really important for people to realize. Laredo was making about three hundred grand a year from Pacific Grove alone. Right. And he farmed out, uh, I did a story once, I think it was about something like another $250,000 in one year to other attorneys. And it was the same attorneys. Right. And almost everything that happened, he go to the same attorneys. And, uh, and he did, the stuff he did was totally lacking uh, because he had all these other people doing the work. G- give you an idea, and you're saying whether or not they're competent, they hired one attorney to negotiate and figure out uh, how to transfer uh, the um, road between the two parcels of the American Tin Cannery so they could do the hotel. Oh, slow to Avenue. Paid- yeah, exactly. And we paid about eighty or $90,000 to this attorney and got bupkas, nothing, <laughs> and it's in in the contract that ended. They're gone, and they got eighty or ninety grand in their pocket. So it's stuff like that. When people say, "Oh, you know, how could this possibly make sense?" There's people out on next door, you know, saying, "Oh, this, you know, the city manager shouldn't have gone, shouldn't have gone." I'm telling you right now, having been there when he was hired, having watched closely what's happened since he was hired, I can guarantee you. If we had kept him the next two years of his contract and allowed him to go as he was going and what the bad decisions he was making that were costing us money, we would have lost way more than half a million dollars. So in the end, right decision, city attorney, right decision, city manager, and hopefully the the, the replacement for the city attorney, uh, I'm not 100% crazy about, but he's definitely better. And the uh, hopefully we hi- hire a city manager who uh, is heads in and above what we had. And I think we will because of the makeup of this council compared to the makeup of the council back then. Right. And I was part of that council, but I only had one vote. Here's the thing I want to ask you about, though, with, um, you know, hiring a city attorney. Why not just hire an in-house city attorney who's going to, you're going to pay them a lot less than 300000 a year and say, this is your job. You've got to do all this stuff. Because I know there was a time when cities hired city attorneys and all these things that came up. You know, it was their job to burn the midnight oil, you know, roll up their sleeves and get out their law books and figure out what they were going to do instead of going to the city manager and saying, we need to hire outside counsel. Well, we did have a full-time city attorney a while back. Great guy. Loved him to death. But again, he he had his specialty when he came on. And if it wasn't in his specialty, he contracted out too. So it was kind of like, okay, 
Now we kind of have a firm that does most everything in-house, um, but it, it's a, a balancing act. You know, where you get into trouble is when you start paying the contracted guy, you know, uh, one and a half times or two times what you would somebody that was there full time. And that's kind of what we ended up with, uh, with our previous city attorney. So uh, the one, we, you know, we just uh, didn't contract with this time around. So what needs to be done, though, is every couple of years, they need to put out an RFQ, you know, request for or RFP request for proposals from law firms and make sure that we're within the market. Make sure there's not somebody better we could sign on and save some money. And that's what I pushed for when I was on the council and the rest of the council wouldn't go for it. And hey, look how the city attorney turned out. You know, the guy that I always wanted to go out and see if we could get somebody better and maybe uh, cheaper. So uh, there just has to be due diligence. And it's like anything else, any other employee. Uh, and we got some beauties in this city uh, that, uh, and we've got some great employees. Let me make that clear. There are some great employees in the city of Pacific Grove. And, but there's also um, people that shouldn't be in the positions that they are. And, uh, and we had a city manager that allowed that, that pushed for these people, that changed their job designations so they got paid more money. People forget about that and what's that's costing us. You know, we got a deputy city manager and an assistant city manager. We didn't have either of those positions with the previous city managers. You know, it's, it's, uh, crazy what has happened and hopefully this all gets sorted out hopefully we get a good interim right now kind of acting city manager is our chief financial person but as when when uh they're they're replaced by an interim hopefully they'll get things straightened out and help bring in somebody permanent that will hopefully do the job correctly yeah. And I think one of the things you have to do with these cities, too, is that the council needs to make clear to the city manager that, you know, we don't want we don't want feather bedding of jobs or creation, creating um, extra positions to make people happy. Like I remember years ago in the PG police department back in the 90s. And think about how small Pacific Grove is. Fifteen thousand people that a small police force. They had a chief. They had an assistant chief. They had like three captains and a few lieutenants and some sergeants. I mean, yeah. they, they were way. I mean, what too, are we, Sand City? <laughs> they yeah. were like. I mean, Part that department was the same way. Yeah, Part that, of the that was horrible that yeah, way. Yeah, that that police department was way too heavy with administrative titles, and that showed to me a lack of spine among the city council and the city manager, or to say to the city manager, hey, tell the police chief, we're only funding a, poli a police chief and a couple captains. Well, <laughs> you, know? well you, lay it, you, you can lay it at the feet of the city manager, but a good city manager, in my estimation, would be someone like, well, I, I don't want to make a value judgment on Hans over in Monterey, but he seems to be well aware that he works for the mayor and the city council. So any... Feather bedding, as, we, as we're saying, or, or you know, feathering the nest, should be approved by the council. I mean, well, all of that should eventually be at the feet of the council and the mayor. I would assume. And and it is, Paul. But the problem is, 
and and this is a fault of the current city council. So as much as I praise them, I also will say they should not have okayed a designation of an assistant city manager. They should not have okayed a deputy city manager. The head of public works does not have an engineering degree, which by city charter he's supposed to. And he's being paid a ridiculous amount of money. And, you, and since he hit the top of... Uh, director of public works they decided uh, the former city manager decided well let's name him the deputy city manager so now we can compare him to any other city that has a deputy city manager and justify him getting a raise it was like he was working for the staff instead of managing the staff and the argument was always well there's somebody that's going to hire him away i'll i'll let them hire him away I think as a city, we'd be better if somebody doesn't want to be here because they're not being quit, paid the same as somebody that's doing the same job in the city of Salinas. How, how much? Do, yeah, that is that is. Well, I would assume the that the too. city engineer, yeah. the city engineer in Salinas, should be paid. You know, probably is paid a couple hundred thousand dollars. I can't imagine that the city engineer in Pacific Grove receives anything yeah. like that. I mean, wait, yeah. wait, wait a second, because this, this is kind of important. Okay. He just contracted, and again, I fault the council for this for a half. Half a million dollars for the next year for a uh, city engineer. Whoa. We, we contracted with an outside company for a city engineer for half a million. And it turns out this guy has been down there for like 30 years. And in all my my experience, I've never met the guy. You That's know? amazing. So, so when you see that and then you see the he's now called the deputy city manager and wants you to call him that. But the head of public works is probably pulling down about 180 grand a year now. So, and that's with the degree in recreation. So, <laughs> you know, he used to cut the grass at the golf course, and now he's the deputy city manager. For goodness sake! Well, here's and, and this is the problem. This is a city of fifteen thousand people. You don't need assistant city managers and deputy city managers. You know, you've got to be able to run the city administratively with one city manager. And shame on the council for funding those extra positions well, and, not, and and not saying, "Hey, we're a city of fifteen thousand. Knock it off." Well, I, according to Transparent California, in 2021, our public works director received $155,000 per year, $11,000 in special pay, uh, and then with benefits, it was $196,000. So uh, there you have yeah, it. Now he's gotten raises, uh, I think, twice since then. Since then. <laughs> he, he went well, me, to the top of, of uh, public works, and then he started with the payment. I, I would encourage people. Manager. I would encourage people to go to Transparent California and look at how much firefighters make in oh, uh, in most it's cities. It, it's a lot of money. It's, you we, know, we, it's three and four hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, teachers yeah. look at PG High School too. I mean, we got teachers yeah. up there making a hundred and a quarter hey, a year, working nine months a year. I know, and they're killing my uh, employment agency when I'm I'm, I'm saying, hey, this twenty five dollar an hour job is great. Hey. I do. I want to remind everybody you listen to What's the Plan on 101.1 FM and 1460 AM. Let me shift gears slightly to the lawsuit followed by uh, Mr. Ted Knight of. Um, have you guys been oh, following the this? Former, he's the former superintendent. I think he's still the superintendent of Carmel Unified School District, but he's on paid administrative okay, leave, I believe. That's right. And for something improperly handling, I think it was something improperly handling uh, some employee issues. And, and he's trying, he's suing them because he's not getting it uh, like disclosed. Closures uh, from the the what is the, I guess the school board uh, about their uh, communications, but it's it's fascinating that Carmel is uh, 
and you know the Carmel School District is kind of going through through some uh, Pacific Grove type drama. So I don't well, know if you guys. And you also had the police police chief right in Carmel that was kind of the that same. That was also yeah. Yep. Yeah. So this is the problem: is you can't release uh, um, uh, personnel matters to the public and but then you say and i think this happened with knight it happened with someone in carmel i think it was him that he went in and uh to get a job in oregon or washington got the job and then all of a sudden people found out about what happened in carmel it's like wait a second we don't know what happened in carmel why are we hiring him here so now yeah well, but, that, but that standard of you can't release it but by not releasing, you're you've got this, you know, uh, the mark of the beast on your. Well, face. I would, I would, I, I would think he would have a court case in oh, if yeah. that were true in Oregon, because it's kind of like if your face, like if we saw Dan Miller's face on the front page of I don't know the pine cone, and you're in handcuffed and you're being frog marked to a police car, and it says Dan Miller arrested in. in suspicion of like a bank robbery or something uh-huh. and then it turns out no it was a guy that kind of looked like you and they got some bad intel that that's going to be on google for the rest of your life and if someone doesn't hire you because they think you're a bank robber you know it's it's kind of a situation like that i've i've r- actually run into that before because i run an employment mm-hmm. agency i've run into that where you google someone's name and you're like well they were arrested for something but they you know, they okay. were convicted of it, you know. So, guys, l- l- let me share with you some of the details of, of what's been able to be published about the lawsuit. Now, he's Ted Knight. He's the superintendent. He has been on paid administrative leave since April 1st. He filed a lawsuit against the school district on July 24th in Monterey County Superior Court. And the lawsuit is over alleged refusal to provide public records he requests for his lawsuit. Now, mm-hmm. he submitted three letters listing a total of 23 different requests, all for written communications during a certain time frame between himself and Board of Education Chair Sarah Hines, himself and board member Carl Palestrini, himself and district staff, a number of others. Now, he mentioned specific topics that he wants, and that includes um, communications on sexual harassment, Title IX, sexual assault, studies regarding gender identity, and then also he wants um, communications regarding board member Palestrini's comments on high school girls in their prom dresses, complaints about Palestrini, (laughs) retired Carmel River School Principal Jay Martin, Tracy Henderson, the Brown Act, uh, somebody named Setliff, sexual harassment investigator Amy Oppenheimer, and his potential resignation. They're just going to, I mean, this is just... Now, man, it's it's, it's thermonuclear war right, here. Right. I think you know with these people. <laughs> now, I Go noticed. Ahead. I noticed one name jumped out to me in there, and that's Tracy Henderson. And full disclosure, um, she's a friend of mine. And uh, Tracy is the head of a parents uh, group called the California Parents Union. And she has attended many school board meetings where she's protested a number of things, including uh, some of the district's actions. Yeah, policies regarding uh, COVID and mask wearing and things Mm. like that. So apparently, it'd be interesting to see what that that communication is between him he and palestrini talking about her more to follow on that but i do want to because we're running a little short on time and i did want to dan uh you this is a little close to home so uh in all of the schools are okay 
okaying training and equity grading and what I don't I'm not 100% sure what Dan Dan what equity grading is but if you do can you explain it back to me and what you what your thoughts are on our local schools going to quote equity grading well Okay, so uh, my uh, the mother of my children is a teacher in the Monterey School District, and I talked to her about this. And what's being written about, I'm not sure is exactly what it is, you know, because some people are sending letters to the editor into the pine cone, and they're saying this and that online, on social media and stuff. What I gather it is, is the, the principle behind it is that you grade people on kids on what they they actually know so if i already know and you can even challenge a class you know in school you can say hey i know everything there is about u.s history they give you a, a test and you get the credit for u.s history if you pass it hmm. so basically what this is is if i'm going taking a science course and i can ace the tests and i can uh you know tell you verbatim everything i should know at the end of that course I shouldn't be deducted, my grade shouldn't be that effective because maybe I'm shy and I don't speak up in class. Uh, and I know that for my daughter, youngest daughter in elementary school, the only thing she did not get a four in last year is she's very quiet and reserved, which I know surprises you. Ah, oh, and, that, yeah, uh, that is surprising. Well, you know, I mean, I guess maybe that she's the yin to your yang. Yeah, but, so uh, ba basically, if this is the end. It basically uh, is, is could be positive. It also has the potential to be negative, and we have to see. Oh, it's more about classroom participation. Yeah, okay. Well, thanks, Dan, for that explanation. That was actually really good. I'm Paul Wyan, owner of Express Employment Professionals in Monterey County. Join us every week right here on 101.1 FM at 1460 AM or find us on the web at whatstheplanmonterey.com and you can find my employment agency at Express Employment Professionals of Monterey. Just Google that. Thanks, Dan. Thanks, Mark. Thank you, David Marzetti, host of the, no longer the host of, he's he's just a guy, great guy out there. So there you go. <laughs> Have a great day, David Marzetti. Oh, this